You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running Thursday, July 5th through Sunday, July 8th at picturesque Birds Hill Park, Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Elts, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Map Of. Map Of is the solo project of Tom Meikle, originally from Whitby, Ontario. This avant folk artist got his start in metal bands, but his debut album on Paperbag Records, A Northern Star, A Perfect Stone, is a subtle, haunting work. Map Of will be performing at Green Ash on Sunday, July 8th at 3 p.m., as well as earlier that morning at Green Ash at the Kids Are All Right workshop at 11.30 a.m. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. year a northern star a perfect stone is the new record from tom meikle aka map of it's out on paper bag records and tom will be bringing that record and and more to the winnipeg folk festival in birds hill park this summer he joins us on the line how are you doing tom i'm great thank you how are you i'm doing very well so i know that uh, you have a very rich and varied musical background uh, I'm curious about kind of your association with folk fests. Like, is that something that you went to growing up or, you know, spent a lot of time at? Because uh, I know you've you got metal bands and busking, <laughs> busking and all sorts of things in, in your background. But what, what's what's your what's your association to folk fests in the past? Uh, well, to be honest, um, there's not a ton of that around where I grew up. Um, mm. There's at least not any sort of anything on the scale at least of uh, the Winnipeg Folk Fest. So mm-hmm. um, it's not something I've really had any experience with, but um, 
it's full. This summer is full of them, so I'm really excited to see what that dynamic is like with the uh, the workshops and such. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, a workshop is kind of a, a unique beast in terms of music because you're you're part of it. You're sometimes kind of on your own on the stage and sometimes collaborating. The the vibe can change. In terms of it, as a musician, is that something that's exciting to you or daunting or a little of both? Uh, definitely a little of both. I think, you know, any prospect of the unknown is always uh, a combination of those two things. But um, it, the idea of being pushed out of my comfort zone in that sense is, is kind of exciting. Um, who knows what the result will be? Uh, obviously, you know, I love to collaborate. I've never actually directly collaborated on uh, the process of songwriting or, or the lyricism aspect of it. So that's um, sort of a different thing. And obviously the sort of focal point of the folk fest, you know, is, is lyricism. So I feel like I'm coming from it from somewhat of a foreign place, which makes it um, super interesting for me. Right. Now you mentioned, yeah. you know, there wasn't necessarily something to the scale of Winnipeg Folk Fest growing up. So you, as I understand it, Whitby, Ontario. That's right. Uh, what was kind of like the music scene that you grew up in? Like, what was was there? Like, were you in music lessons? Do you get, you know, were there venues that played live music? Like, what was your kind of nascent birth into the music world? Yeah, it's kind of um, it is an interesting idea because it's definitely changed over the years since I uh, was a part of it, but a lot of what um, the music scene revolved around in the Durham region and uh, so sort of with the Oshawa and the surrounding area is uh, it was a lot of hardcore and metal stuff. Uh, most of it coming out of this venue called the dungeon. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people, uh, most of, you know, my friends in music uh, at least at one point either played or attended a show there. And uh, yeah, it mostly revolved around that sort of, small-scale DIY stuff. There wasn't a huge, I wouldn't call it a huge scene. Um, it's always kind of uh, limped along to some degree. I think back in when I was in high school, there was maybe a bit more energy because of this huge um, hardcore and metal movement that was going on, uh, which still exists. I uh, just don't know how much energy there is towards it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it, there, there wasn't really... Essentially, if you were in a band, you were probably in a metal band mm. <laughs> where I grew up. So, and thus, and thus, you were in a band, and you were in a metal band. That's right. Yeah, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't obligatory in my sense. I really did love it, and uh, you know, my my brother's friends got me really into metal, and uh, it's a huge part of my musical identity for sure. But uh, it just so happened, I was pretty lucky in that sense that I had a place to go and and sort of. Um, you know, be bad, <laughs> just be bad at music for a couple of years and kind of work out the kinks, you know? So we were, we were super lucky that there was at least something, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So is there any through line to like the metal that you did to map of material? Cause I mean, you know, the metal's a fairly wide ranging genre and there, there is, you know, sort of like symphonic and, and like avant-garde metal that does kind of tap into folk and, and, you know, mm-hmm. contemporary classical composition. It, it's it's not all thrash, right? Like, I mean, that the, the, sure, the, yeah. There there could conceivably be a through line, but is there for you? Yeah, there absolutely is. I, well, I think 
to some degree any sort of path that you follow, you kind of pick up pieces of things and take them with you, right? So um, I think considering how much time I spent in that world and kind of revolved around it was so heavily influenced by it, it's sort of, you know, it's in my fingers, it's in my brain, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it sort of permeates my musical life, you know. Uh, obviously, there's certain elements of metal that become, that this sort of more uh, superficial elements that don't surface in the music, but I think um, my approach to the guitar is very heavily informed by um, pro- progressive metal stuff along with the folk elements. And there was, um, you know, there's a handful of bands who really married those two ideas well. I think a band uh, called Opus, mm. one of my favorites, um, did that really well and probably at a very early stage. I mean, I was listening to them when I was you know, 12 and 13. And, and I feel like at an early stage, they introduced me to the sort of uh, the limits that you could push metal, that it didn't have to be, you know, uh, breakdowns and screaming as fun as that stuff is. And <laughs> uh, as much as it was sort of a, a release at that time, it was like, oh, well, there is some sort of sophistication uh, in the sort of progressive realm that was really intriguing to me. So I think I pulled a lot from that or at least tried to. Did did listening to something like Opeth get you thinking about structure or the architecture of songs and and what you know ex, ex, like avenues you could explore as as a possibly a songwriter? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question because um, I think they're one of those bands amongst many. I mean, metal has has difficulty uh, you know confining to the traditional song structure. So I think. Um, listening to so much music like that and not really thinking of things necessarily in that way. It's not like it was the only music that I was listening to, but, but um, it certainly influenced the way that I thought about uh, putting a song together. It wasn't like I didn't sit down and, you know, think of, oh, I need I need a chorus. That, and there's nothing to be said against that. That's like some of the best music uh, that exists, but it just kind of informed my approach in that I didn't um, necessarily set those limitations. So I found myself just kind of, uh, you know, wandering into these uh, strange song structures and and not necessarily, um, yeah, setting those parameters before doing so. Right. Mm-hmm. So at what point, like, was there like a, like a light bulb moment where you were like, I, I want to start kind of pursuing the, the music that ended up being Map of? Like, is there... A record uh, to, or, you to know... some degree. Um, I mean, there, there were records in my life throughout all of those periods, you know, of um, whether it was trends or or, or um, whatever I was into at the time. There were certain things that kind of always stuck around. And uh, a lot of it was kind of stuff that my dad would play, you know, since I was a kid and uh, the band and CCR and, uh, you know, uh, CSNY and all that sort of uh, 70s folk rock stuff that um, always kind of was in the back of my mind. And um, I got to a certain place where uh, I was kind of frustrated with the process of songwriting in the sort of progressive metal realm. I just didn't really know. I was a bit lost in terms of what am I, you know, what am I trying to say anymore, I guess. And uh, up until that point, I, I didn't sing really. I didn't 
write lyrics all that much. It, you know, it had come up here and there, but it wasn't a main focus. It was, I was a guitarist, you know? So, um, there was a particular sort of shift when I left, uh, university, I dropped out of journalism and I, uh, went to Australia and I kind of did the typical soul searching, uh, mission. But what ultimately came out of that was, um, the busking aspect and, you know, just really trying to put myself out there because I had, I, I was in kind of a rough emotional spot. So it was a way, it was a method of catharsis that I hadn't really experimented with through music that seemed kind of blatantly obvious in retrospect, but, uh, I didn't really access it until around then, which was, I guess, 2012 or so. So d during that busking, like, are you writing songs as you're, you know, in the process of doing these, these busking sessions, like, are you playing your own material or exploring your own emotions through it? Or is it something that, you know, in, in just being out there and, and so bare, you know, as a, as a, as a solo performer and, and, and having people, you know, either respond to you or walk away from you, that did, did mm -hmm. that lend itself to the songwriting? I think it did. I, it definitely started with covers, um, sort of, you know, uh, the classics like I was talking about with Neil Young and CSN those sort of songs um, and some more modern kind of folky stuff. But uh, I think that that context definitely pushed me into a place where it felt like if I was going to be singing the same, you know, 10 songs or however many I had in my arsenal at that time uh, over and over again for like four or five hours, that maybe it'd be nice to throw in, in there that, you know, I could get behind, you know, from a, an emotional standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I started to kind of, you know, I threw one in for a couple of days and tried it out and see how people would respond to that, you know, but it's so, it's such a volatile thing. And that's, what's kind of exciting about that idea was just, um, being able to kind of judge people's reactions, but also not put too much weight on them because they were so, uh, they were so temporal, you know, they would, they would come by and if they stopped on any given song, whether it was something that they recognized or they just, you know, whatever it was that stood out to them, it was a really interesting sort of social experiment in that way. But, uh, it was also a massive, uh, uh, adventure into self-confidence, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then... At what point do the songs that make up the record of Northern Star, Perfect Stone, start coming together for you? Uh, well, as soon as, or as early as, uh, right at the end of that trip, I wrote Nimbin, which is directly about that. So um, that would have been, yeah, 2013, I guess. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that kind of sat around for a while, wrote a bunch of different stuff. And that song for some reason just kind of lingered. And then, um, uh, they started to accumulate over the next few years. And then it, uh, there was a particular point where it was just kind of an onslaught. And I think five or six of the songs came together in the span of a couple months. Um, so it was kind of unpredictable, but, uh, it was a lot of, you know, writing a handful of songs and realizing I'm not sure that's the, there's i I'm not sure there's honesty in that. I'm not sure that's the direction that I want to go necessarily. There was a lot of,
experimentation in the sense of uh, songwriting and identity musically. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you yeah, about I that get... identity because you, you do write from different perspectives, right? It's it's not all, you know, songwriter, author, ownership right. kind of stuff, right? Was that a conscientious thing or is that something that just happened by virtue of the song you wrote ended up sort of telling its own story and, and you realized after you'd written it, oh, this is this isn't me. This is a character. Yeah, um, I don't know if I could uh, claim that it's conscious necessarily. I think uh, I have a tendency tendency towards music like that. So in, uh, I guess there is something ingrained in me that's interested in the idea of sort of embodying a character in the delivery of a song. It also makes for um, there's something that's uh, intriguing about that. But um, there's also times where I feel like, you know, if there's a particularly emotionally charged moment or period of time in my life where I feel like I just want to write something that I feel that's very that's very direct, you know, um, I, I try not to set uh, limitations necessarily on how I approach songwriting. So, right. you know, either uh, approach just depends on uh, the, you know, the story at hand, I guess. How right. compelling it is. The the record, I mean, the CD, <clears throat> rather, is divided into an A and a B side, right? Like the the way a record naturally is. And and I'm curious if what thought went into which songs were on which side, and the sequencing and stuff like that. Like what what was kind of your overarching sort of editorial process when it came to putting the record together? Interesting. Um, well, the sequencing was very important to me um, and probably always will be. It's it's one of those things that I just knew that all of my favorite records had this sense of completion to them and it, was, it wasn't was necessarily about, hey, I wrote enough songs to make a record and I'm going to put all these songs on a record. And there are great records like that, but for me, um, it felt like there had to be not necessarily a lyrical narrative, but um, sort of a, an overarching musical narrative in that it felt like there was motion within the record and that they weren't self-contained necessarily. There's um, a through line? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's definitely very calculated, the, the sequencing aspect of it. As far as the A and B side, um, that's something that just kind of, developed organically i don't think i put a, a ton of thought into necessarily the division of them um or like there's no thematic reason for it necessarily mm -hmm. um but i do think of the sort of textures or the the visuals and the, the colors that are evoked from those songs and how they align with one, one another and then i look at the sort of balance of the <laughs> of the uh, colors on either side and whether it's, you know, if there's too much on one versus the other, then maybe things need to be reorganized. I, I do kind of think of things that way, not that I'm synesthetic or anything, but there is a sense of like, okay, there's, you know, there's kind of like this orangey yellow thing going on. In this song, if that makes any sense. There's, <laughs> there's like a, pa a palette or, or. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is like a, um, a melodic or textural palette, to each song so um i try to consider that i guess <laughs> right uh the the title of the record 
a, nor- a northern star, a perfect stone. Uh, I'm curious about where that came from. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, oh yeah. You're just gated, so. Oh. <laughs> Coming in and out. Um, so the title of the record. Um, well, it's actually a reference uh, to my parents. Uh, in short, uh, northern star is my mom and the perfect stone is my dad. So it's just, um, you know, kind of a typical metaphor, I guess, but the, you know, the guiding light and the, uh, the rock, so to speak. Right. That's really nice. Uh, (laughs) I, I I like that. I hadn't, I hadn't, yeah, that's, 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 (laughs) uh, it's very poetic. Um, before we go, I want to get you to pick a track off the record that we can play for the audience. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song or an anecdote about it, uh, I'd love to hear that. Hmm. Okay. Um, let's go with uh, Carbon Scores and Smoke. The, the end of Side uh, A. Yes, the end of Side A. That's right. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, yeah, there is, I guess, in regards to its placement on the record, there's a sense of completion to that that side of it because um, I did want it to feel there's this sort of big triumphant ending, you know, and uh, kind of guides into the next phase of the the record in some sense. But it's also it's another sort of um, not necessarily from a character, but it is about a story that has nothing to do with me necessarily. Um, but it was when I was a kid. I was about five or six. I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked out the window of my bathroom. There's a whole bunch of fire trucks and and police cars. And I went to school the next day and I found out that um, uh, a kid down the street who was a teenager had uh, lit his room on fire and uh, gone with it. So uh, it's a very dark thing to process at that age. And mm-hmm. it's something that stuck with me for my whole life. And it just kind of came back to me in this period that I spoke of earlier, of, you know, uh, it was just like this burst of creativity where a bunch of songs were coming out and that story kind of really resonated with me and how, you know, his family was in the house at the time. So he had the consideration that he was going to, you know, cause harm to others as well. And it was just, an it's kind of an exploration of, it's really just me working out how could you get to that place, you know, and, and what is it that drives people to get that low, you know, and to, have that sort of dark intent and what are the factors that uh, drive people to that and how do the people around them, you know, react to a situation like that having, because the family survived, so they know how he was feeling and what he had done, you know. So it was a very, it's just a very fascinating story that I obviously didn't grasp the uh, emotional weight of until many years later. So right. that's what Carbon Scores and Smoke is about. <laughs> Well, we will give that one a listen and uh, look forward to hearing more from uh, Map of at Birds Hill Park as part of the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Tom, thanks very much for taking some time and uh, looking forward to seeing you here in Winnipeg. Oh, it's my pleasure, Michael. Thank you very much.
I'm Michael Louds, and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Map Out. We'll be performing on Sunday, July 8th at 3 p.m. at Green Ash at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 5th through 8th at Birds Hill Park. Thank you.